0: He can abide with us that can be a reality in each one of our hearts praise his name it's so good to see each one of you here and let's pray that for those that may still be on their way we was expecting uh, one or two new ones today but i would always rather be expecting than not expecting and be surprised amen i remember my grandpa all through the years he'd invite people and he said different times he said if all the people i invited he said if they all came at one time they wouldn't fit <laughs> But a lot of times, a lot of services, before the service started, he's back by the back door just looking and expecting some newcomer to come in. But uh, we just got to keep inviting, amen? Keep our hoops up and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Thank the Lord. It's good to get souls ready for heaven and encourage the ones that's already in the way. Well, you know what I mean, on the way. (laughs) Let's stand and ask the Lord's presence here tonight. Once again, dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your help in this service. We've come here into your house of prayer to seek your face, to glorify you, to lift you up, and to learn about you. We ask, Lord, that you administer to us as we lift our voices in praise to minister to you. We ask that your name will be lifted up and glorified on high. Let it be true in our hearts, Lord, that you are on the throne of our life and above all the thoughts and above all the cares of life. We pray, Lord, as we sing to you, help us to sing as this our last service. Lord, as we testify, help us to testify as though it's our last service, as we preach the same way. Lord, through all that's done, may, it, may we glorify you and put our all into it. We thank you for that you gave your all for us. We thank you that you invested your everything in us in providing the plan of salvation so full and free, extending it to all humanity. We ask, Lord, that you'd bless this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. May the Lord bless our sister as she comes to lead us in song tonight.
1: Well, shall we begin this evening with number 163. 163. I find it good to live in Canaan. Starts out here in the first verse. I heard God's voice commanding, Go up the land possessed. And trusting in His grace, I followed on, from Egypt's Cruel Bondage. Now, if that isn't a perfect description of it. And from the wilderness, from Kadesh into Canaan, I have gone. I'm thankful he's able to lead us out of Egypt and into Canaan. 163.
2: <clears throat> I heard God's voice commanding, go up the land post and trusting in His grace I followed on. From Egypt's crew upon Niche, and from the wilderness, from Kadesh into to Canaan I have gone. Tis good to live in Canaan, where grapes of will grow. Tis good to live in Canaan, where milk it is good to live in Canaan, and full salvation, no, I find it good to live in Canaan. The land I'm now exploring, and getting farther grapes of Askel grow. Tis good to live in Canaan, where milk and honey flow. Tis good to live in Canaan, and full salvation know. I find it good to live in Canaan. This land of peace and plenty yours by faith to claim there's perfect love and rest from inbred sin it's mountain heights possessing through faith in Jesus name cross over and the victory life begin tis good to live in Canaan where grapes of Espel grow tis good to live to live in Canaan and full salvation, no, I find it good to live in Canaan.
1: Well, I didn't realize it until we got started. I think maybe I picked a new one for some of you, did I? <laughs> at least it isn't new now, you know, this... You know it a little bit anyhow. I'll have to try it again another time. Maybe one of you has a song or chorus that you like to sing. Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. All right. Well, for a faith that will not shrink. <clears throat> first verse again
2: Oh for a faith
1: Maybe somebody else had another one. I I don't
2: think it's
1: Have you looked? Did you look for it? No, I didn't. I
2: just was that just something special version. Is it called
0: in the
1: garden? I don't believe it is in here. Yes, it's 407. The Lily of the Valley, is that what you asked for? All right, 407. Shall we stand together as we sing it?
2: Brandon! take
0: you ever get excited about thinking about seeing his blessed face thank the lord talks in there about seeing his blessed face being caught up to glory what a day that's going to be seeing jesus face to face some that makes some people tremble in fear because they don't have their heart ready but for the saint of god for the blood washed that might make you tremble with excitement amen There's a different kind of fear of the Lord when you become a Christian. Praise the Lord. Anyone with a testimony? Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. these Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Anyone else? <laughs> Good. I did build a praise on my heart. All, I thought, well, yes, look what the Lord has done for me. But thanks, the Lord. Um, she was mentioning, I'm
2: reading to um, where the children of Israel come out of Egypt and, and um, how the Lord made specific um, directions on building the altar. And I just felt as I was reading there, the Lord has built an altar in my
0: heart. Thank the Lord. And,
2: Praise The Lord, that fire never goes out the of my heart, and it's going to take fighting. Mm-hmm. It's going to take real fighting against mm-hmm. the enemy in these days and the oppression and all that you would like to bring over. But
0: the Lord has the power to bring us through. Thank the Lord, he said not to let the fire go out, but He's the one that put the fire in, <laughs> and He can keep it burning if we praise His name. It. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Much we could learn. I tell you, there's some people really messing around these days in the house of the Lord, but you try to bring strange fires in the temple, that's a, way, a good way to get yourself struck dead. Amen. Wow. A lot of good lessons in the Old Testament. I hope you take time to read the Old Testament. Some people say, well, we're New Testament Christians. We just read the New Testament. Well, where'd you get the Ten Commandments from anyway? <laughs> but anyway... I like the whole Bible, amen. God wants us to read the whole Bible. There's lessons in there for our learning. Each lesson is for our value. Praise the Lord. Our sister was testifying and uh, reminded me, talking about the blessings that the Lord has. I uh, I don't remember if it was a dream or a vision or just a thought. Sometimes I don't take too much stock in dreams. I, I get dreams probably just like many of the rest of you, and a lot of times they don't have any spiritual meaning. I sometimes ask the Lord, so what can I learn from this? Even a bad dream. What can I learn from this? Well, maybe guard my heart. What can I do? But uh, someone, I don't remember who it was, said that they uh, had a vision or could picture uh, being in heaven and taking a tour of heaven. And on a shelf was all these jars, and say, what are they? And they had different names on them, and say, well, these are the blessings, the unclaimed blessings of the saints that they just didn't ask for, and they're just there on a shelf waiting to be poured out. And a beautiful thought. I think it would be biblical. I think it's a biblical thought that uh, there are many blessings God has in reservoir for us if we just call upon Him and ask for His help. He'd pour out His Spirit upon us. And I want to be found faithful too. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's prepare our hearts to go to prayer this evening. Well, praise the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. Amen. Thank the Lord. Anyone else with a praise upon your heart? I thank the Lord for being in the house of God. Amen. I him, He's in full control of everything. Him, him. praise Him, I thank Him for every answer of prayer. praise the Lord. Uh, for every blessing He gives me, I know there's probably more blessings that I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. I want to praise Him and thank Him, I love Him. Amen. Thank the Lord. He's a benevolent Father. Every good gift and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Praise, Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank the, thank the Lord that there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. He doesn't play favorites, does he? <laughs> All those who worship him and seek him and desire to have his will, he will bless. Praise the Lord. Amen. thank the Lord for how he's been drawing me closer to him. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love him tonight. I do thank him that Tisha is feeling better. I do a praise for that. I don't understand Amen. why things took so long, but I do praise the Lord that he did give us the strength to get through it. Amen. And it has drawn us closer to him. Amen. I love him tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think there will be a lot of things we get on the other shore and our eyes will be opened. I've shared before and I think it's just worth sharing but my grandpa said he met this guy and he said now he said now I got these uh, this guy was telling my grandpa he said I got these questions in life that I come to and he said when I can't figure something out he said I put it in the mystery bag he said something I don't understand how how the things are working that way or why people look like they're getting by he said I just put it in the mystery bag and he said once we get up to heaven and get all settled in he said we get sitting at Jesus' feet he said I'll just pull one at a time out of that mystery bag and ask the Lord my grandpa said brother he said one one glimpse of glory he said you won't care about anything down here that happened he said you'll have bigger and better things to be concerned about that's probably the truth but the Lord's ways are far beyond us but we do know that if we're following and walking according to his will those who are walking according to God's will he works all things out for our good amen doesn't always feel good doesn't always feel good in the moment does it but it's for our good. All things work together to, for good to them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Thank the Lord. What what faith and trust we can have in Him and be able to confide in Him. What a blessing. I, if I was resting in my own mind, I tell you, there's some times where my brain gets kind of foggy and uh, I don't like to trust in the feebleness of mankind. But I thank the Lord that we can trust in Him. Praise the Lord. I was praying the other day, and maybe I mentioned something about it already, but... Now, this is my testimony time. this is not the message. don't want you to mistake that there. <laughs> but I was praying the other day and I said, thank you Lord, for making the things of this life so feeble and frail. Thank you, Lord, for letting some of them fall by the wayside and being shaken so that our trust is not in those things, but it reminds us to put our trust in Him. Praise the Lord. that's my testimony tonight. Anyone else with a testimony? All right, we'll take up our evening offering. amen what would we do what would we do if it was up to us to find the lord Hmm. still be in the chains and the mire of sin wouldn't we thank the lord all hearts clear this evening We're going to look back to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to try to pick up in our study where we left off this morning. and didn't feel like I quite finished uh, discussing this and painting the very clear picture that I feel like I, I have. Uh, Many times, the job of the minister to get out into words what's upon his heart is a tough job. And uh, we ask for the Lord's help. Let's stand. Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we read these scriptures, paint this picture in our spiritual minds tonight. Help us to get a grip on all that you did for us. Help us to be thankful. Help us to be appreciative. We ask that you would be lifted up in our hearts. Bless us these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What a dismal picture is painted here. That's not the kind of king that the Jews had in mind. That's not the kind of uh, life that many of his disciples had in mind. A man of sorrows. A man of sorrows. It's our study in the the names of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity that brings us to this passage. In verse number 3. He was despised and rejected, rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I shared this morning about his beauty, about his stature. I shared this morning about some of these uh, verses around this context. And I think sometimes we don't really understand how rejected of mankind he really was. It's hard for us to paint that picture. It's hard for us to imagine uh, even a world, even a sinful generation who would take uh, Christ and belittle him and uh, rebuke him and smite him on the cheek and spit in his face and just treat such a, a loving Savior that way. It's hard for us to really get a grasp on that. We think of Jesus and we think of the picture of Jesus teaching the disciples and feeding the 5,000 and uh, doing miracles. Giving sight to those that didn't have sight. Healing the the lame. Think about the, I like to read through in the New Testament there, when Jesus was on earth and the disciples went ahead before him, the people went ahead before him and they brought all the sick people. They knew where Jesus was coming. When they found out where he was going and the route he was taking, they would go into the cities and the highways and the byways and they would get all the sick people and bring them out along the way. Because they knew what would happen. Jesus was going to heal them. And we think of that picture many times, but it's hard sometimes for us to get a grip on the man of sorrows, thinking of Jesus being persecuted, thinking of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, and the suffering that He went through for your sins and mine, to be that sin sacrifice. And I might remind you too, another thing that we often overlook is the guilt. The guilt, the conviction of God upon His Son, Jesus Christ, while He was on the cross. And we hear those words of Jesus as we read over them there in the passage where he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is sin that stands in between the soul and the Savior. It is sin that has parted a a man who was created to be holy, mankind, the human race. It is sin that separates. It's sin that makes this big gap. It's sin that makes this great divide between a holy God and his creation. And it's that sin guilt. It's that blood guilt, if you will. Just remember back, and maybe it wasn't too long ago, that you felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And we thank God for His blessed Holy Spirit that brings conviction. Without that conviction of the Holy Spirit, without that drawing of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have a desire to seek After God, we wouldn't have a desire to get our heart right. We wouldn't feel bad about our sin. That's the problem today. We look at a world and we see a world running rampant. It's because they have no guilt of sin. They have no shame in their sin. As one passage in the Scripture says, their their nakedness is not a shame. They're not ashamed of it. They just think it's great. The things that they're supposed to be shameful about, they're proud about. And they want to flaunt it and they want to talk about it and they want to make uh, movies and the whole society surrounds it and, and tries to build it up and tries to glorify it. But it's the thing that should they should be ashamed for. And there's no old time conviction. We should have a church... Where God's presence is so welcome that people when they drive by, when sinners drive by, when sinners get in the area of God's people, when they get near you and near me, a, a place that we've, we should come to that we can be in God's presence so much and God can reign within our life that when we go out into the highways and the byways and, and we get around sinners that, that that blessed Holy Spirit would overflow onto them and they would get that old-time conviction for sin. You can read some of the stories of the old-timers. They spent time in prayer. It just doesn't come by education. It just doesn't come by reading a certain book. It, it doesn't come by, by teaching yourself something. It doesn't come by uh, getting together and having a meeting. It comes by getting together with the Holy Spirit and having a meeting. It comes by spending time in prayer that God's Holy Spirit would be welcome. It comes by heart searching and soul searching that we could get to the place where God could use us the way He intends to use us. Amen, to pull out all the stops. You think of the sometimes of the, the airplanes. I've seen videos of people trying to take off their airplanes and revving, roaring up the engines. And it's trying to go, but they didn't take the wheel chucks out. Amen, that's sometimes how we are as Christians. We say, God, use us. God, you can, you, you can do great things with us. And God says, well, I want you to fix this area in your life. And so, well, no, we don't want that. We don't want that. Some, there's some obvious things. Sometimes in the world, and I, and I told somebody just earlier, I said, there's some things that are obvious to us if we read the Bible. There's some, there's some issues that will work themselves out if we just read the book. Amen? we got to be in the book. I, you can come doing service times and I can preach, but you know what? There is not enough time in this little time, and even if I could become a better preacher, and I'm praying the Lord would help me with my words. I'm praying, Lord, to help me be able to, to get out what he puts upon my heart. Uh, many times I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep doing my best because that's all I can do. But even if you'd come for a whole day, and if you'd show up at 6 a.m. in the morning, and all I would do is preach, and all we'd do is, is uh, have a Bible study and sing and all that stuff, if you're not reading your Bible through the week, And I'm not talking about just picking and choosing different little places and little nuggets of truth. I think that's the the dangers. I want you to hear me and not misunderstand me in this statement. I'm not against devotionals. I'm not against devotional books. Many times that can help uh, prime your pump early in the morning. That can help get the, the spiritual gears turning, if you will. That can help, uh, help encourage you to praise the Lord and, and to worship the Lord and to magnify Him. And that it, by itself, praising God will bring you into His presence. And that's a good way to enter into His presence. But many times there's devotionals that will hop, they play like hopscotch. They're not using the whole sidewalk, they're just dancing around in certain little places. And we've got to be careful about that. We need a, a well rounded diet. If all you do is have dessert, it won't be for very long. And, and the kids, they think they would like that. You know, some kids, they, that's all they want is dessert. They just want things that are sugary. They want sugary and candy and all kinds of stuff like that. But if you would give them the things that they feel like they would want, it wouldn't be too long where they'd be in the hospital. Doctor be saying, hey, uh, you're not feeding your kids properly. What's well, you're not, they're mal, they're, they're not, they don't have the vitamins and the enzymes and stuff that they need. And we as Christians can get that way. If we go over here and say, well, I like this little verse here. Don't look at the context. Then look over here, look what this verse says. And then we could put little verses, I've seen people do that, put little verses and statements throughout the Bible together, and it just makes something that just sounds good, sounds like it's Scripture. Well, here's the Scripture, this says this, and that says that. But then you open it up and you, you start reading the chapter before it. And you read the whole chapter around it, and then... You go over here and you read the cross references to that. and You read the prophecy or maybe it links to something in the Old Testament. You go back and read that story. and say, boy, boy, I've had times like that where I've thought, man, this is good. This, this, is a, this is a blessed thought. And to go and start studying those passages and come back and say, man, that is not at all what those scriptures mean. Those were taken out of context. We need a well-rounded, a well-balanced diet. But thinking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit and how you felt when you were convicted of your sins to where you were so sorry for your sins that you wish you could undo them you wish they could be erased from your conscience you wish that they could be erased out of your past and you're willing to go back and make wrongs right it amazes me why people who are supposed to be God's people why people who are supposed to be the holy people can't go back and make wrongs right what is it that makes restitution so hard I was telling my wife just this past week, I said, why is it that it's so hard to go back and make wrongs right? Why is it that people, they just can't seem to get around to do that? They've become a Christian, so they say. They stand up and testify, so they say. And they want to serve the Lord, and they may have a ministry, so they say. But yet, if you look through their past, there's dotted little things that they never went back and made right. The Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches restitution to go back and straighten up the back path. Go back and, and make things right. To go back and pay back the things that you stole. To, to go back and make apologies if your tongue got out of place. Amen? It's okay to say amen if it's biblical preaching. <laughs> but why is it? And if God has heaped all this love upon us, if we're the pure hearted people, that's what we believe, right? God has imparted His love within our heart. He lives and abides within us. And if we just love these people that we hurt, why is it so hard to want to fix things and make it right? Amen? But think about that conviction that was upon you and I that brought us to the point of salvation, to where we could really call upon the name of the Lord. Amen? The Bible says, Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I like what Tozer says. It's not that a person would call upon the Lord and they couldn't be saved, but it's many times it's hard to get a person to call upon the Lord you ever notice how hard that is I've been making a point about that this uh, the past couple weeks I guess when I'm talking to a soul just encouraging them to go ahead and pray right then many times people will admit and they'll say well God is speaking to me God is is uh, you know God's ministering to me God has made himself known in this way or that way and and I know there's some things I need to get right and I just kinda just give them a little nudge (laughs) we used to do that when we uh, went swimming in the summertime there was somebody be standing up by the edge of the dock and we'd come up Come up, they'd be thinking about swimming. We'd come up behind them and give them a little nudge, kind of help them a little bit. (laughs) But I've just been encouraging people, and I would challenge you to do the same thing, that when you talk to people about their soul, you talk to them about spiritual business, just go ahead and prompt them to pray right then and there. Say, can I pray with you? Why don't you pray about it? Why don't you take care of things right now? Bring it to that point, because the devil, he doesn't mind if people have spiritual truth, as long as they don't do anything about it. I like what Matthew Blankenship says. He, he was preaching a meeting down there in the storefront church down in Greenfield, and he said, you know, back when he was, the Lord was dealing with him, he said he would get in some services where there was some good truth, and he said, Lord, be convicting him. And uh, the devil would slip up and say, well, you know, you don't have to pray right now. You can pray. You can, you can get saved. You can fix things up back in your room. You don't have to make a big public scene about this and bother these people and waste their time. But he said, you can go back and you can pray about it, your secret place. And he said, what happened between church and a secret place? Well, the devil slipped up in here, do this, do that. And he'd get sidetracked and forget to take care of business. Many people forget to do that. But think about that old-time conviction, the blessed Holy Spirit. And it's the presence of a holy God that makes the sinner feel bad. I preached about that not too awful long ago. The difference. Condemnation. Conviction. And man's condemnation. The difference when you're in the presence of a holy God you will feel bad for your sins. You will. And I've told a person that if you can have animosity in your heart towards somebody, you can have hate in your heart towards somebody, and you can go to your secret place of prayer and you can meet with your God and have a beautiful time of fellowship and everything goes smooth, and you come out feeling blessed and maybe we'll just throw in, you even get goosebumps. If you're contradicting the Bible, that God that you're meeting with is—that's false fellowship, and that's not the God of the Bible. That's some hard truth that some people don't want to hear, but it's in the Bible. We need to hear it. We need to remind ourselves because the enemy will come along and he'll deceive us. He'll trick us. We need to make sure our nose is buried in the Word. But it's—it's God's presence that convicts a sinner of their sin. And think about how hard and. How much pain, that spiritual pain and sorrow that was there upon your heart when you repented of your sins and all that that you had times all the people of the whole world and that was put upon our Savior on the cross of Calvary. I'm not trying to make a bold proclamation here but that might, that just might have been the worst suffering of everything that happened on Calvary. The pain the sorrow of the sins he says he's the man of sorrows the man of sorrow he was not only rejected of mankind he was not only despised he was not only ostracized he was not only uh, didn't fit in with the crowd and the crowd didn't like him and even those who were supposed to be the spiritual leaders of that day they just des- they despised him they couldn't stand him they didn't want him in the synagogue they plotted and planned about how they could kill him many times and he slipped away because it wasn't his time the scripture says he was despised he was supposed to be the King of the Jews. He came and showed up with the Jews and they rejected Him. His own people rejected Him. And then this chapter goes on to talk about the rejection of the Almighty God, the Heavenly Father, while He was on the cross, because He had to take upon Him our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with his stripes we are healed. They plowed his back with the whip. History tells us that the whip was to have little pieces of glass and little pieces of bone and little pieces of rock and any little sharp object. And those Roman soldiers were trained in whipping to bring a person within an inch of their life. They knew how to do it, and even some people in history, it says that some people have died by the whippings, just the whippings by themselves. They covered up His eyes, and you can read through in the Old Testament, put together what happened in the New Testament. There were a lot of things that happened to Him, besides just being crucified on the cross. All for our sins. All for our sins. And we think that we have a hard time when the world gives us a sneer. We have to suffer something for Christ. May the Lord help us. Get our spiritual noggin screwed on straight. To get the right understanding of the suffering of Christ. I've said before that if we could just understand what sin cost Jesus Christ, we'd have a right perspective of sin. I'd like to add to that if we could also understand what it will cost the soul if they don't seek redemption, we would have the right understanding of what sin is. The pain and the sorrow. Surely not the picture that the old devil likes to paint on the billboard. Preached some time ago. Haven't felt led to preach it here, but preached I think it was down at the Candy Run Camp, the youth camp. Message titled, The Other Side of Sin's Billboard. The other side of sin's billboard. That's not that's not the picture that the devil wants you to see. Oh, he paints it in a very uh, broad brush, or very beautiful colors. He doesn't want you to think about what sin will cost you. I wonder if Eve and Adam really believed what sin would cost all the generations, if they could really grasp the concept of the pain and the suffering and all the little innocent children and the cries that go up and the cruelness and those who are being slaughtered and those who are being murdered at the hand of, a, of a wicked people, the cries out for help and the pleas for mercy as they're murdered and their life is taken away. And I wonder if Adam and Eve could have really grasped that concept, if they would have felt the same way about their sin. I've shared before that a friend of mine he said, Why did Eve take of the forbidden fruit? Why did she do it if she knew right from wrong? Why did she do it? And I said, that's the age old question. Why does a soul sin? After all that God has done and all that Jesus Christ has done, why would a soul sin? Why would a soul choose to rebel against God? That's really, we need to be making sure that we understand what sin is. It's not just doing something, it's not just carrying out a deed, it is rebelling against a holy creator. It's rebellion against a holy God. Sin isn't coming to a crossroad and saying, Oh, I'm not sure which way I should go. Should I go this way or should I go that way? Should I do this or should I do that? Which way should I go? Sin is when God says, Here is the way, walk ye in it. And sin is the heart of rebellion that says, Yes, Lord, I understand that that's the way, but I'm going to walk this way instead. And while we were in that state, Christ loved us. Christ died for us while we were ungodly. Christ died for the sinners. And we're so glad of that. We need not forget that Christ died for the lost and the dying world outside the walls of the church. Outside the fold of safety. The band of sorrows. 1 Timothy 2, verse number 5 says He is the mediator. He's the mediator. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He's the mediator. Hebrews says that he is the high priest. He's the holy priest. He's the last priest, if you will. I told someone this week, they said, you know, what do you think about this? And talk about the Catholic Church, and they they taught this person how to pray to this certain saint for this, and pray for the other saint for this thing, and all they got the different saints, and they got them all figured out which one is going to answer to prayer and all this. (laughs) It reminds me of my grandpa. He met somebody It was a Catholic, and he said, well, you know, he said, even even the rich man prayed to Lazarus in the Bible. And said, yeah, his prayer wasn't answered either. (laughs) We're only to pray to Jesus Christ. We're only to pray to Him. There's no place in the Scriptures that will instruct you to pray to another person. I said, they won't do you any good. They've already moved from this life to the next, wherever they're at. If they're a holy person, they're in heaven. And there's no place in the Scriptures that says that the saints up in heaven, after they've already finished their course and run their race and crossed the finish line, and they're on receiving their reward, it doesn't say anything about them interceding for anybody that's on the earth. Talks about the cloud of witnesses. I believe there's going to be a cloud in heaven that's going to be there when we cross across that finish line in the end when the rapture happens or we take our last breath. I believe there's going to be a cloud of witnesses, but the cloud of witnesses also talks about those in the hall of faith, those who were found faithful all down through the test of time and gives their examples and their names are written down. The faithful ones. But anyway, all that to say that he is the mediator. He is not only... The great high priest that intercedes for the children of God at the right hand of the Father. He's not only the one that was touched in all points like as we are. He was tempted in all those, all those ways, every way in which you could be tempted. Jesus Christ, when He was on earth, was tempted yet without sin. Isn't that beautiful? He came to earth to be tempted in every single way that you could ever be tempted and to show you how to be victorious. Yet there's some people that say, oh, there's a sin that I can't get victory over. I asked a person one time, I said, what what sin is it that you have to commit? Are you just in the middle of your night sleeping away and then all of a sudden you get woke up and you have to commit this certain sin? I said, that's not the way the Bible tells the story. Jesus lived a holy life. Showing us the pathway to victory. (laughs) I guess there's a ministry on the radio that's called Pathway to Victory. Well, I kind of like that name. We are on the pathway to victory. Amen? He's given us the victory. He's handed us the victory. He's already fought the battle. He's won the war. We can read in tomorrow's newspaper who's going to win. And I want to be on the winning side. How about you? My dad, he likes to play games and stuff, but he said... He says at different times, he said, well, he said, "Uh, I want to play a game I can win. (laughs) He doesn't like games of chance. He, He doesn't even, sometimes he doesn't even like Uno. How many of you played Uno? A little card game. I like to play Uno. I used to play it a whole bunch. And sometimes he doesn't even like to play Uno. I said, why, Dad, why don't you like to play Uno? He said, it just depends on which card you pick up. He said, "Just depends on how they're shuffled." He's like, "You might be set up with a bunch of draw fours and wild cards and skips and all those good cards like that." We had one game where it had some blank ones, and uh, we we would fill them in. I filled them in before the game. We had different ones. It said, "said uh, last one." One of them said, that "The last one to say praise the Lord has to draw four cards," and you'd put the card down and say, "Praise the Lord," and everybody else, and the last one to say it had to draw four cards. <laughs> had all kinds of custom car custom things that you could do but he didn't like the game of chance he said i i want to play the games he said i know i can win (laughs) he said it doesn't feel very good to lose i said well that's pretty normal then (laughs) if you don't like to lose then get on the winning side amen are you on the winning side this evening praise the lord my body is tired too i came to church tired i had a little nap and i think that was just a teaser it made me just long for more (laughs) Sometimes I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to do it, but I said it would feel more comfortable to the body just to hit the snooze button and go on to sleep and uh, let them have somebody else preach. (laughs) I'm just teasing. Don't want to tempt you. You might just do that. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, the man of sorrows, the mediator. Thank the Lord that he's the mediator. He's not just... The great high priest that was tempted in all points like as we are without sin. Not just to show us the way of victory, but the mediator, even for a loss and a dying world. As I look back over my own life, even raised in a Christian home, one of my prayers to the Lord is, Lord, help me to be as merciful to other people as you were to me. If I could be half as merciful to other people as God has been to me, I would might amount to something. Just take a moment sometime in your place of prayer and just allow God to remind you of how merciful He's been on your life. The many times when He could have just brushed the dust away and create someone else to do a better job. Find someone else who would praise Him more. Find someone else who would be willing to spend time in prayer. Find someone else who could seem to pick up on it faster. Sometimes we seem like a slow learners, don't we? You ever notice that? My grandpa said, how, how many years do you have to be in kindergarten before they figure out there's a problem? One person told me, they said, I was the only one that was driving to school when I was in elementary class. And I had to think about that one for a second, but that's not something to brag about. <laughs> he's the only one in his elementary class that had his driver's license. <sighs> not good. Not good. But he's the mediator to a sinful world. He's the intercessor He's the one that set the example. He's the go-between. Do you know what a mediator is? Some games have to have mediators. We have friends that live up in Canada, and uh, they like to play hockey. And I played hockey with them one time, and they said, uh, if you're going to be the goalie, you want to wear this helmet? I said, I don't need to wear that silly helmet. And I pretty soon found out that I should have wore a helmet playing hockey with them. They got their elbows in there, and they got me up against the wall, and my head was... Uh, I couldn't hardly breathe or think straight and uh, my head was over here I didn't care what the puck did I said forget, forget it I said go ahead, put it in the game put it in the goal, I don't care (laughs) they said they've gone to some some, uh, fights it was a joke, they don't go and watch wrestling I don't believe in that I don't believe in Christians going to watch wrestling aside the fact that they're indecently dressed fighting each other that's not a way to glorify God But they used to tease, they said, you know, hockey up there in Canada is so rough. They said sometimes uh, fights, sometimes when they're having fights, they break out into a hockey game. (laughs) Instead of the hockey game breaking out into a fight, they get pretty rowdy. And they have to have a a mediator, someone to go out there and uh, break up the fight to kind of level things a little bit. Thank the Lord that He is the mediator. I might have given the illustration before, but one time I was in karate class, and we were doing what they call spar, and it's practice fighting. I guess I just said I don't believe in fighting to hurt each other, but to practice in defense, I did. And we were in the class, and I was uh, sparring what they call practice fighting. We had pads on and everything. We weren't out to hurt each other. But the other gentleman, he was getting the best of me. He really was. I don't think he was intending to. I think I was just lacking that much. And he was getting the upper hand on me pretty quick. And I said, man, I said, you got to take it easy a little bit. I said, you're getting to me after a while. I said, I think he might have caught me in the lip. I had, I had some blood dripping down. <laughs> I said, man, take, caught me. I, said, I just got to take, take it pretty easy. Anyways, we just sparred on. We got to the end of that round. We were going to take a little break and do another match. We were practicing endurance. And... uh my karate instructor he was on the other end of the class and he was practicing with somebody too but he was looking around I mean he was good enough where he could pay attention to his surroundings while he was kinda of blocking some punches and kicks and things and, and uh, after we got to that break he came over and he wanted to match up with the guy that was sparring with me and uh, I said I didn't know we were gonna switch he said yeah He said uh, He's getting the upper hand on you. Let me level things out a little bit. Let me put him through, let me put him through the ringer a little bit and give him. let me be a little harder on him and wear him out some. And so he did. He was watching things and he was going to make things and make it a level fight a little bit, he said. My grandpa used to tell stories about how he used to be a fighter. I guess it runs in the family. My great... Let's see. It would be my great grandpa, my grandfather's dad or grandpa I forget now I'm getting old when you get my age you forget things but he was the prize fighter and held the championship in Ohio for a long time people come in from other states and he was the champion prize fighter in Ohio and he kept the record for quite a number of years so I guess fighting runs in the family but my grandpa as a little kid before he got saved and sanctified See, so when you get sanctified, it takes your temper away. And it's hard to have a fight with somebody who's sanctified. Oh, you can beat up on them, but they don't want to fight back. <laughs> and uh, my grandpa said he used to like to fight. He said, oh, the Dement boys. He said, you didn't want to mess with the Dement boys. He said, you picked on one. He said, you got to fight with all of them. He said, that's just how it was. And my grandpa, he wasn't, he wasn't a fair player when it come to fighting. He said he would never lost a fight with anybody that had hair on their head he said if they had hair on their head it was for sure they were going to lose he said he'd grab that just like a handle and he said they'd turn them into a punching bag and he was pretty rowdy back in them days but he said he remember one time when this uh, school bully got the best of him and started picking a fight with him my grandpa was trying to get away until he saw his older brother coming and he saw his older brother coming to level things out a little bit he said he knew he couldn't lose he said even if the other guy started getting the best of him he knew his brother was just already on the way across the school grounds and he said he he uh, lit into that, guy flew into him, he said he had him whipped before his brother got there. <laughs> but his brother come over to, to mediate things out a little bit, to, to make things fair. You know there's coming a day, a great reckoning day. I don't know if you see it, but as a Christian, I see a lot of unfair things in this life. I see a lot of sorrow, I hear a lot of cries from innocent children. I see a lot of things that aren't right. I see a lot of people get taken advantage of that's not right. And the Lord sees that. And there's coming a day where He's going to mediate things. He's going to make it all right. He's going to correct the errors. He's going to give due uh, due and just punishment to those who deserve it. He's going to make it up to the old devil that's been picking on you and I. Don't you forget that. Don't think the devil's getting by picking on you and I. He's got his punishment coming. One angel is going to take him and bind him and put him in the pit. And that will be the day. Amen. Think about a life in glory and not have to have any temptations. Not have to have any of that wicked old enemy hanging around. I tell you, that's enough to make you shout. Let's stand. We praise your name, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done, that we might inherit eternal life. draw our hearts and our minds in upon those thoughts, Lord, as we prepare to go our way. Help us not to forget the price that you paid for our redemption. Help us not to consider it a light thing. Help us not to presume upon your mercy and your grace. Presume upon your power and your strength. Help us not to count it a light matter that you shed your blood on Calvary. Help us to value it. Help us to reverence it. Does anybody need to pray this evening? Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would go with us. Draw our hearts nearer to Thee. Help us to abide in You. Help us to care for a lost and a dying world. Help our own hearts to be secure that we can tell the truth to other people who haven't heard it. The wonderful news a Savior has come. Go with us, we pray. Make our time here on earth count. Does anybody need to pray tonight? I just feel a little hesitancy about dismissing just yet, and I'm not sure why. I just want to be sensitive to the Lord. Is there anything on anybody's heart? We love you, Lord. We. We love to be in your presence. We pray that you would go with us, Lord. Press these truths upon our heart. Fill in the gaps, Lord, where we messed up and made mistakes and stammered, Lord. We pray that your truth would have a clear perspective in the image of our mind. We bless your name. We lift up your name. You are worthy of all praise. We thank you, Jesus, again for all that you've done on the cross. All that you've done that we could inherit eternal life. Help us to treasure the work that you've done on the cross. Help us to lift up your name that our soul would magnify you. That you would be exalted in the throne of our heart, the throne of our life. That we could truly sing the song with truth from our hearts. That all that thrills our soul is Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. We pray that you would bless your people who are here tonight. Bless those who couldn't make it. Be with them where they are. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. You're dismissed.